It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's hump day. Mike, 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 Mike. And today on the podcast, we've got Joel Luckup, the man from Fox Sports Ohio, does all the stats, knows all the numbers, backwards and forwards, maybe, or maybe just forwards and backwards. But at any rate, he's with us today. We're going to talk a little Reds and who knows what else. Lots of good stuff. Joel, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Looking forward to uh, talking some Reds. I miss Reds Fest, so... You know, everybody else got to have all of that energy that weekend, and I missed out on it. So I'm ready to get back into the action. Man, I'm not going to lie. It, it was pretty fun. Got to meet some folks and ran into Brett Tomko just walking around. I felt like I ran into a lot of people, like a lot of different players and former players just walking around this year. It was it was a lot of fun. Perhaps perhaps you should pay attention to where you're going if you're running it. <laughs> yeah, he was like, dude, where, where are you going? Um but I just wanted to get your take first because it's been, a you know, almost as of recording almost 24 hours since the Reds, or at least rumors had gone awry from everyone that knows anything about baseball, that the Reds are signing Wade Miley to a two-year $15 million deal. He gets added onto an offseason in which the Reds bring in Mike Moustakis to play second base. And some other minor moves like uh, trading for a reliever named Justin Schaefer and picking up a dude from the Padres whose name is Martini, shaken, not stirred. Uh, what has been your take so far on this offseason? Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I've been a little, just a little disappointed. Um, I was really hoping that the Reds were going to, to make a major move, and they may still make a major move. Um you know, I, I like the Moustakis deal. I think, I mean, it, you know, it's not the money that I necessarily would have thought he would have gotten. Uh, but I, I like him as a player. I think he's a good player. Um, I think he'll do all right at second base. I don't think he's going to be, you know, Brandon Phillips defensively, but I think he'll be all right. Uh, I think he'll hit okay. I think he'll be a pretty good hitter. He's going to hit some bombs. Um and will be a good uh, middle of the lineup left-handed bat uh, since Joey's not really that middle of the lineup guy anymore. So it'll be nice to have a left-handed bat there in the middle of the lineup um, with some pop. Uh, I, um, you know, I I really thought maybe they would get somebody like D.D. Or, uh, well, I thought they would get D.D. Gregorius, but, right. um, you know, I... I'm not completely surprised that he went to Philadelphia. He said he wanted to play with Joe Girardi and uh, he has, you know, knowledge of Girardi and experience with him. So, you know, it it probably was a hard sell for the Reds to be able to convince him. And they probably would have had to go uh, pretty high to get him, you know, money wise to convince him to 
to come to Cincinnati and maybe he didn't even want to come to Cincinnati. Who knows? Maybe he left Cincinnati with a bad taste, probably. And perhaps the same thing with Yasmani Grandal. Um, although, you know, rumors were that Grandal wanted to be a DH or wanted to have the ability to be a, a DH, um, so he could play more. Um, so those, those couple moves there were a little disappointing that they didn't go in the Reds favor. Uh, I obviously didn't expect them to be in on Garrett Cole, uh, it was a little bit of a pipe dream for that they that they would be in on Rendon, uh, though though you know that would have been a nice player to pick up, um, but ultimately you know I I was just really I'm and I'm still kind of hoping that they're going to get somebody that's a a star and not uh, and not somebody that's you know kind of a good piece to add, uh, just simply a good piece to add to your team, um, and uh, and. So far, you know, there hasn't been any of those rumors that really made you feel like, hey, the Reds are going to be close on this deal or or, you know, even that you feel like they just missed out on any of these players. You never really uh, hear like, oh, well, they you know, they were in on this guy, but, um, you know, they just got outbid or anything like that. It's more you more hear like, well, they talked to him basically. Uh, And so I'd like to hear a little more about, um, you know, a, a big deal. I'd like to see a big deal that brings in uh, a star caliber player. It's interesting this year because with the Reds mandating that they're going to be more active this off season and they're going to gun for the playoffs this coming season. There's been so many rumors, like you said, to varying degrees, not necessarily, you know, almost it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to sign somebody. I know that, MLB trade rumors had the Reds getting both Grandall and Gregorius, which initially when I read that, I thought, now I know that obviously this isn't coming from, uh, you know, C. Trent or someone like that. But at the same time, it's nice to even see the Reds' name close to some of these big guys. What, what, if anything, has that meant for you? Because I know, at least from my point, there's kind of an encouragement and kind of a frustration in that, in years past, it's like, okay, well, the Reds could go after it. They're not going to, but they could go after this guy. And now it's like, well, why aren't they? Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's it's a different, weird experience. And I think you really see it uh, in some of the fan base where you see some fans who, you know, anytime they miss out on a player now are just rolling their eyes and saying, well, they're the same old, same old. Um, and not the fact that, you know, two or three, four or five years ago, that the Reds wouldn't even have been mentioned, uh, as going after that player. So, um, it's, it's a building process. I think you really have to, uh, you can give the Reds credit for trying now, obviously we want to see some success. So I'm not saying that, you know, Hey, we all trying is all that matters. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to take some time, I think, before they've convinced uh, the general baseball world that this is a, a destination spot. And I think, you know, if you are a star caliber player and you have a chance to play and, you know, a market that looks like they're going to be competitive uh, sooner and you have a similar offer from the Reds, well, you may go to that other market uh, simply because um, you know, the Reds just haven't won any time recently. And, you know, you have to kind of put on some rose colored glasses still to be able to see uh, that future being bright for them. 
Something I thought of just now, and it actually kind of rolls better with that first question, but a good follow-up here is, which broadcaster will be the first to call a Moustakas home run a moose bomb? If if they do. (laughs) Uh, That that sounds like a Tommy thrall. (laughs) Nice. Okay. I don't don't see... uh, Well, though... You know, to be honest, uh, Tom Brenneman sometimes pulls out the cheesy line, too. Uh, <laughs> and so maybe, maybe it'll be a race. I, I just uh, I thought I just it, it's fun with these different guys. And I, I couldn't really think. I mean, obviously, it was the easy nickname Moose for Moustakas. I couldn't really think of anything for Wade Miley. But if there were a situation where Miley and Mally were both in the rotation, that could be a really good law firm name, The the law offices of Miley and Mally. Um, it, it could certainly be very confusing, especially if they were <laughs> pitching to Casale. <laughs> yes. Mally to Casale. I don't know why we haven't. All right. Anyway, we're getting too corny here. My bad. Um, when you look at, kind of like you said, there's there's still more work to be done. And I know that there's been talks of trades and, some of those trades are more pipe dreams than they are realities. But at the same token, looking at what's available and what is sort of at the Reds' disposal, if you will, uh, what do you think is the best move for them to make next that is probably within the po- within the realm of possibility of being made? Well, so, I mean, it, you can look at this a couple different ways. Uh, from a free agent perspective, uh, there aren't a lot of game-changing players out there anymore, um, if, if there are really any. Uh, probably the best bet, at least from uh, from the outfield perspective, if we really, you know, the Reds are probably mostly looking at outfielders at this point, is probably Nicholas Castellanos. Yep. And uh, and the, historically, his numbers are, are fairly in line with some of the other free agents out there. But the difference is, is that he's uh, fairly young still. I think he's only 27 still. Um, and he, the, the thing that I really like about his game is that he's an extra base hitting machine. Um, and, you know, he had 58 doubles last year. Uh, I don't expect that he's going to hit that many again, but he uh, I think over, I think I looked the last four years, he's averaged over 40 doubles a season. Um, nice. And along with that, around 25 home runs, some of those doubles are going to turn into home runs in Cincinnati. He may be, uh, he, he, I, I would guess that he's a pretty, a solid bet in Cincinnati to be something close to a 30 double 30 home run guy. Um, and so I, I like his bat a little bit more than some of the other options. However, because of his age, because of how he played in, in Chicago, um, I, I think he might be the kind of guy that's going to get a five or six year deal. And I only say that beca- mainly because of his age and because I think he's really going to try to sell himself as that guy. And I, I think there are teams that sometimes will go out and give that. I'm not sure I like him enough as a five or six year guy. Um, you know, th- there is some there is some risk there that, you know, maybe, uh, maybe he, his Chicago numbers are going to overblow his value a little bit because he played out of his mind for two months in Chicago. Right. Um, you know, so, but I, it, 
if all things being equal, I had to choose one player to go after in the outfield, I would probably pick him because I like his bat so much. Um, if we're taking the contract into uh, into account, I like Corey Dickerson, partly because I think he's only going to get maybe a two-year deal, and I may be wrong on that, but I like that he's that he might be had for a little bit shorter of a deal. Uh, he's 30 years old, so you know he's got a little more on him in time. Um, but he's he's been a really good hitter for most of his career, and I like. Uh, now he'd be another left-handed bat. Um, I'm not, you know, he's a he's a different kind of hitter than uh, than Castellanos or or Azuna. He's probably not going to be as much of a home run hitter, but he does have a little bit of pop. Um, he, he probably hit for a little bit higher average, uh, especially compared to Azuna. Um, but I like him a little more than Ozuna because I think Ozuna is going to try to get more years. And, uh, you know, I think they're all very similar hitters value wise. And so, uh, any one of those three guys is probably a good, uh, you know, is, is a good addition to the lineup, whether or not it's a, a clear upgrade over what the reds already have is, you know, that's up for debate. But I think if they're, if the reds are dead set on getting one of those guys off a of free agency, then absolutely, uh, I I'd be okay with any of the three. I'm a little more interested in uh, Castellanos and Dickerson than I am Ozuna, um, but I'd probably be okay with any of the three, depending on the deal. I'm with you there. When I look at Ozuna, it just I I don't know. It, it's funny. I talked with, um, I didn't talk with anybody. I talked about uh, Ozuna and Puig a couple of days ago, and just how their numbers compare almost identically over the last two years. But one is rumored at least to be getting a lot more money that being Ozuna and you mentioned something that has kind of been one of the key in-house conversations at least what I would imagine an in-house conversation of the front office being and that is the outfield as it stands right now there's been plenty of people that have said that a platoon between Jesse Winker and Phil Irvin is a pretty viable, at least by the numbers, a pretty viable strategy. And then of course you have the, uh, enigma, I think in a good way, not necessarily a bad enigma, but a, an enigma in Aristides Aquino. And then you have Nick Senzel in center field. It, it almost feels like you do have to bring in one guy we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Of, let's say, maybe do some quick power rankings here. Of the uh, platoon working out, Nixon Zell staying healthy all year, and Aristides Aquino being more August than September, which one of those three is most likely to happen? Huh. That's a good question. Um, because I, I know like it's... It, I like it, Nixon Zell, so I, I'm yeah. going to probably put that put him first. Um, I 
I don't want a dog on Aquino because I think Aquino made some changes last year and I think he's going to be, a, you know, I think he's a big solid power threat. Uh, but I'm not, I mean, he was so good and so hot for such a, for that month of August. And it's just unrealistic to have any of those kinds of expectations going right. into 2020. And it's probably unfair. Um, and so I think, I think the key, the key point here and all of this is that all three of those, all three of those spots, there isn't anybody that I would consider reliable. Yeah. If that's, you know, that, that may not be a perfect word for the situation, but you know, you don't have any kind of proven player. You don't have a proven player really in any of those spots right now. Um, you have a, a view of what those players may be. Um, but it's not, I, I wouldn't call it a situation where I, you know, I think part of the reason the reds are looking at these outside options is because they want some, they want a solid choice of somebody that they know what to expect. And maybe, you know, maybe Jesse Winker at his best is a better hitter than any of these guys that are free agents. But Jesse Winker has not has not been on the field for one and two has not performed over a large enough sample to where I'm I know what I'm going to get from Jesse Winker next year, you know? Right. And and that's the one thing too. like looking at the other two guys as well with Aquino, like you said, the the adjustments that he made obviously transformed his game into something that was phenomenal. But then at the same point as the as the the month of September came to a close, it just didn't seem like he could hit a slider. Now, maybe, I mean, obviously that's something you can adjust to if you're a professional baseball player, but then also you've got Sinzel who had shoulder surgery or, um, yeah, I think it was, um, uh, labrum. Was it? No, I don't yeah. remember what he had some sort of surgery. Yes. It was, it was uh surgery around his shoulder area. We are doctors, uh, <laughs> but, and there was even a thought that maybe the Reds go and get a center fielder and move into second base. Obviously, you know, that's in hindsight now, that's no longer something that we're talking about, but at the same token, it's like you mentioned, there is no track record with what is currently on the roster. And it just makes me wonder because when it comes to the playoff or bust mentality, you cannot have too many spots on your team where in the description, in the pre-season preview, the word hope shows up. As in, like, you know, we hope that he is getting better or we uh, are thinking that things will improve. It's like, okay, that's great for a couple of spots, but all three of them happening is just almost impossible. Right. It's asking a lot. It's asking a lot for three spots in your lineup to um uh, to all perform at what, you know, at what you hope is their, their, you know, peak for where they are in their career. Right. Right. Um, and you need, I mean, they really need the Reds need offense. I mean, it, that was obvious to everybody who watched the team last year, the Reds need offense. They have pretty good pitching, uh, and, and to waste that pitching without adding to the offense. And so, you know, there are guys out there that, I mean, there are guys out there that are are proven offensive weapons, 
And, you know, a guy that's going to have a, a 115 to 120 OPS plus every year, um, right now that has some value compared to what we have established out of the the young outfield that we have right now. It's, it's annoying to look at because I think I blocked it out of my mind, but the Reds were 12th in runs scored in the National League last year. Only three teams scored less. And that was what was so frustrating is that the pitching got so much better. And they kind of added to that a little bit. And I want to talk about Wade Miley just for a second. When you look at the Wade Miley signing, it's something that I thought of that I'm like, okay, this does stabilize the rotation. You probably don't look at Wade Miley in and of himself as officially making the Reds a playoff team. But at the same token, he makes them crazy strong supposing everyone's healthy once they get to the playoffs because now they have six viable starters I wanted to get your take on that and I also wonder given an entire season just looking at 2020 not beyond because I think we can both agree that the future value of the two is vastly different but in 2020 assuming that they both got 30 starts who would you trust more Wade Miley or Tyler Malley? Um, I, I think Malley has more upside. I think Miley has a lower floor. And I think given that uh, Miley has had some success working with Derek Johnson before, um, I, until somebody proves to me that Derek Johnson is not a wizard, I am not going to argue <laughs> against it. And so... Uh, I, I think that in 2020, I would rather have Wade Miley, but I don't even think that's the right question, uh, and no offense. Um, no, I think no. really the thing is, is the Reds had five major league starting pitchers in their organization, and teams never get by in a season without with just five starting pitchers. Sure. And so... Uh, you know, Miley was not expensive uh, compared to a lot of pitching on the market. And he provides for you um, a guy that's going to go out there every fifth day. He's probably only going to give you five innings, but that's really all Miley's going to give you either way anyway. Mm. Um, and he's going to, you know, he's going to get blown up every once in a while and he's going to pitch well every once in a while. And then it's what he does and those starts in between and that, that matter. And, you know, he may only end up being an, a league average pitcher, but having that as your fifth starter is very valuable. And if you're only paying that guy $7 million or whatever it is, they're paying him next year. Uh, absolutely. I think you do that every time. Probably the question that the front office asked and, something that would be interesting to look at and maybe something I can ask our buddy Doug Gray, but who do you think is the sixth guy before Tyler or, you know, before Wade Miley was signed, who right. do you think is that sixth guy in the, in the uh, organization? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm maybe Lucas Sims. I don't know. I mean, it's right. You know, I mean, it's, and I got some pushback on thinking Lucas Sims last year because I was like, man, I'd love to see him start. And they're like, he's been relieving for like four months. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, that makes sense too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not – I don't know the, the – you know, who we have in the minors very well, but I'm looking at the 40-man roster right now. And, 
Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see names of players that uh, were clearly ready to pitch in the big leagues as right. starting as a starting pitcher. I think, uh, I think coming into last season, some may have said Tony Santion and some may have said Vladimir Gutierrez, but those guys look like dart throws now. Right. Yeah, and and you know, and maybe they'll maybe they'll make starts in the big leagues this year, um, but if you're trying to make yourself a playoff team, you can't have guys that, well, maybe they can handle it. You know, you need guys that will be like, okay, if I got to bring this guy up for five starts, I can't, I can't come up wondering if he's going to get blown up in all five starts, you know? Exactly. Not, and not in a year like this. And also you've also got a, um, the shrinking, uh, September call up number. You, You don't get to bring up, a couple of guys that are you know, drops in a bucket or something like that. You got to bring up the guys that you want, you know, that you believe can actually help you out. Right. Um, which uh, let's pivot to that for just a moment. Cause I just thought of that. What is your take on the new rule changes that they're implementing this year? I don't know that we've, we've talked about that. And if we have, I can cut this, <laughs> but, um, uh, with the three batter minimum, the 26 man roster, and then the 28 man roster come September. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I like, I like the roster moves. Uh, I, I, what I don't know is, is there flexibility in September? Um, like, are they allowed to play with the roster numbers a little more? Uh, even, I mean, and what I mean by that, or do they have to go through all of the same, uh, DLing and guys or, you know, you can send guys down, but they can't come up for 10 days and all that kind of stuff. Do you know? I, I think that is still the same. I don't, I know the, they've extended the disabled list back to 15 days, but I'm not sure, um, if they have changed it at all for September. All right. Well, so I, I like the expansion of the rosters. Um, I think I, I hope teams don't use that 26th man for another bullpen arm. Uh, cause I think bullpens are, are getting too big. I think you end up with guys that don't pitch for a week, 10 days sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they come out and they're all rusty and that's the whole conversation is oh he was rusty cause he hadn't pitched. Well, if he hasn't pitched, then you've got too many guys on your, in your bullpen. Um, and so I hope that they don't, they don't stick themselves, you know, they keep, I hope they don't keep another, you know, keep keeping a four man bench and then just add another pitcher. Uh, so, but, and I'm hoping that that's what that 26 man is, is, is going to fix. I know they talked about an idea of either limiting the pitchers to 13 or making it, a minimum of 13 batters. I just know it was something to the effect that, you know, you couldn't have a guy come in or you couldn't have a manager come in with 17 pitchers on a team and only have nine position players or something like that. Um, But I I think there's some way that they're limiting that because I do remember for a brief moment anyway, before uh, he chose free agency after getting waived from the 40 man that, you know, advocating for Derek Dietrich to be that 26th man. So I don't know. We'll have to to see about all that. 
Um, as for the three the three battle role, I'm interested to see how that works out. I'm I'm not completely convinced that it's it's going to change a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that there were a lot of there were a lot of pitchers that strictly faced one batter. Now you know there there were some certainly, um, but I you know I I think it'll. I'm interested to see how it goes, how it changes first before I'm going to pass any judgment on that, because I part of me thinks that, you know, it might be a good a good rule change. It might uh, it might add a little bit of more uh, difficult strategy and and consideration to a pitching change. Um, But part of me also wonders whether or not it's going to have some unintended consequences. So I'd like to see what those are going to be. I'm intrigued to see, because I know, at least at the beginning of the year, that seemed to be not really, I keep, the word bugaboo keeps coming to mind, but just something that David Bell just could not stop doing was going to the bullpen and constantly bringing in guys, whether they only be for a batter or two. And now this season, that, that strategy has gone by the wayside. And that's something that I've I've heard a lot of people talk about is that, um, that's going to be a big early season storyline is how does he manage the bullpen because it, it really seemed, and I know that the argument was made that guys weren't pitching as many games, but with all of the many times that they were getting up in the bullpen, warming up, all this other stuff, it really seemed like the bullpen was worn out by, you know, mid-July, early August. Yeah, and I think that, one interesting side effect is it's going to, it's going to add value to teams that have a balanced lineup because it's going to be a lot harder for managers to manage against the lineup, uh, balanced both in handedness, but also balanced in, and types of hitters that you have, because you can bring in your, you know, a, a guy that maybe has a tough slider against somebody that has trouble or struggles with breaking pitches and then your next pitcher, you know, could be a, a hard, you know, a guy throws hard fastballs uh, versus somebody who, you know, can't catch up to a fastball. So, uh, you know, it's going to um, balancing all of that is going to be a lot harder against teams that uh, can hit the ball kind of up and down or at least in, in through a bulk of their lineup. Well, Joel, I appreciate your time, man. I know we've gone a little bit longer than uh, normal, but uh, real quick before we go, I I heard tell that you used to work with Gary Burbank. Back I did. In the day. I actually began working at the radio station down there, 700 WOW and all that stuff, just a few weeks ago, and I'm super curious because I always I loved listening to Gary Burbank back in the day. Can you remember any funny stories about him? And like, what's your Earl Pitts sound like? Let's oh, I don't, I don't, I don't do it. <laughs> there, there is That's one okay. thing that I learned. One thing that I learned there is that I don't do voices. So uh, we we hit hit, and, and I'll tell you the story that goes along with that. It's not that great of a story, but uh, we had hit a uh, a slow point, and they were trying to get callers, and I had already called in once. And I was calling again and I tried to do a voice and it was awful. It was so bad. Uh, and to the point that the producer looked at me and just rolled his eyes like, you know, you can't be serious. That's the best voice you've got. So I do not do voices uh, whatsoever. 
Um, but I really liked working with Gary. Uh, he was a you know, super nice guy. I mostly work with the producers as, as, as an intern. Um, but, uh, uh, so my name at Red Reporter that I used when I was the the writer at Red Reporter was Slide, and that came actually from Gary Burbank, who used to call me Joe Slide because I would sneak into the room, drop off whatever I needed to drop off, and sneak back out without anybody noticing I had been in there. And so he he said, "You always just just sliding in and out, Joe Slide." So that's my fun Gary Burbank story. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm I've been in been enjoying getting to meet some people down there and stuff so that that was awesome hearing that you're um that you got to work with him a little bit as an intern and stuff i just definitely wanted to pick your brain on that so i appreciate that and uh joe thanks for coming on again man uh looking forward to the season we're less than 100 days away now we're in the double digits it's uh it's gonna be awesome uh, yeah before th- you know it it'll be spring training Amen to that. Well, thanks for being on the show, man, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks. Thanks for hanging on for that extra long episode here on this Wednesday. Make sure you are subscribed to all of the podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and follow the show at Locked On Reds. And save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. Send me your questions, your thoughts, whatever you got, reactions to some of the questions, you know, some of the things that me and Joel talked about. Hit me up on the Locked On Reds line with a call or a text at 513-549-0159. Thanks again for listening today to the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.